0: Good morning, great to see everyone again, and thank you for joining us for another Sunday of worship. So, so much has been going on this year, uh, 2019, that if you go through uh, the news and all the things that are going on, you realize that, like, last month was a huge month. So much has gone on throughout the month of May, and if I were to summarize the whole month of May in a picture, it would look like this. So these are the two things that's been viral in the internet. So if you don't know, it was um, the Game of Thrones was having its final episode last month, and there's this thing on Snapchat that everyone has been using, and it's all the internet about this gender gender filter thing so you can focus yourself on the phone and it would transform you into a different gender whether maybe from a female to a male and a male to a female or if you want to look even more manly as a male you can go on that filter and it adds like a beard on you and all that right so so this has been the talk of the town for for quite quite a whole month and there's something crazy about these filters, that you can do all sorts of stuff with filters. And and so you can see like, you can have a normal guy and then you can turn into a female or turn to male. And my my small group was obsessed with this too. Like they were actually playing with it all the time. And 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 I wasn't trying to be a jerk and put our own people we know with their filter photos. That's kind of a little uh, inappropriate. Uh, but yeah, just the idea of filters, right? And this is this is not it. Like, there are some really crazy filters out there. And in China, there was a news report saying that uh, there are people that use filters and transform themselves. But you can't even tell if they're actually that person. And so there's all these um, internet streamers online. Not, not like the strings that you hang on a wall, but streamers as in, like, you play videos and and people watch you live live stream and so there's all these celebrities, internet celebrities that people follow and they're like oh this girl is so gorgeous and pretty and I want to like have a crush on her and all that and then they found out oh like it's actually this um, this 50 this year old lady from like some far away remote place and they use filter and they look like they're tw- in their 20s and that's how amazing filters are and and so... And then, and then people felt like they got scammed. They're, literally, they're like, I, I pour like thousands of money to buy gifts for this person, and it turns out it's been a sham all along. Like, can you imagine? Like, you you have something you really invest into, and then at the end of the day, you're like, it was just like, a hoax all so along. Kind of like a fire festival that happened not too long ago. And so, as we think about it. It's kind of like that in the church community sometimes. That this is a church in Belgium, or is an arts of a church. So on the outside, it looks kind of like a church, and all the contours and, and the shape looks like a church But When you look at it, it's all hollowed out like there's nothing in it. It's just a skeleton, and it has no infrastructure, no nothing. It's not like really a place that you go worship into. But sometimes it's kind of like that. Our church, or, or not our church per se, but churches, can live under this illusion of filtering itself so that on the outside we would look like we're a beautiful, attractive, welcoming community. And so people come and be like, oh, like this is amazing, and oh, the worship is great, and the people are very friendly to me. But then once they get to know this community more, once they start investing themselves in there, then they realize, oh, like, what happened? Like, they're not that welcoming, really. Like, I can't integrate myself as a new person coming to this church, or I am trying to live out love, but I'm always being judged, saying that, oh, I don't read the Bible enough, or, like, I don't care about God, I don't pray, or, like, oh, you're not serving, so you're not a good person. Like, like, people would sometimes come to a church and then they realize that it's just on the outside, that they make it look like they're very beautiful, they use filters to make it very amazing, but maybe they're not. But the reality is that this is not something that is new in the church. That if you keep looking back all the way to the early church in 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 the old and the old and new testament. In the community of Israel and even in the early churches, the same things are going on. That on the outside, it looks like a really beautiful church. People are nice and giving and friendly, but on the the bottom, there's a lot of conflicts going on, a lot of ugly things that are kind of swept under the rug that they don't talk about. And so you're part of it, then you realize, like, this is not the community that I knew. Like, what is going on here, right? And so as we look at the passage we're we're studying today in in Philippians, you realize that as amazing as we always praise the Philippi churches, a church that is so giving to Paul, a church that is so supportive of missions, a church that is known for brotherly love in the city, that is named after brotherly love, that there's so much troubles and conflicts that are going on. And so this is how Paul talked about in the closing remarks to the church of Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And here's the big one. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so as Paul was trying to encourage this church, as they try to speak to this church while he was in prison, it sounded like, oh like this church is great and they should just keep going and all that, but that's not the case. And this is something that really irks me all the time that A lot of times people throw in these passages in the Bible and then they just assume they can just take it on face value and then just start throwing Bible verses and people will be like, like, if you pray, you'll have all that peace and amazing. But people tend to give people Bible verses without context. And and, and, and it just wasn't meant to be Encouraged that way. And then, and then it drives me crazy when people do that. And so, to understand this passage then, we need to go a little backwards and at the beginning of chapter 4. So, Paul actually told them, be in the same mind. Be in the same mind. And the reason for that is the letter to Philippi, it's not just a thank you letter. It's also a letter trying to counsel the church leadership because they're going through a lot of conflicts, a lot of unnecessary conflicts. And so if you read into the text, you realize that there are two really strong, prominent female leaders in the church, Judea and Syntyche. And they are the ones kind of like the deacons of the church looking after the well-being. And if you read between the texts, you realize that Paul is alluding that these two people are fighting within the church. That there are disagreements in leadership. That there's some things that they don't see eye to eye with. And so, as a result, Paul is trying to tell them to be in the same mind. Be in the same mind. And, and that's not just saying, like, the whole idea of the Chinese mentality. Just, like, pretend nothing happens Think on the same goal, get to it, we'll get there. Just work hard enough, and then you get there. Like, do you you remember, like, when, if you're part of a Chinese culture, the first thing that people would tell you when things do not work out, you'd be like, just try harder. If you don't try 100%, try 110 and see what happens. And then things will work out. If you tried five times that didn't work, try five more times, and then eventually it works. But... That's not what Paul is trying to tell them. It's not so much about just working harder and pretend nothing happens. But the word being in the same mind in the letter was actually talking about empathy. It's to understand why the other person is thinking the way they're thinking. That at the end of the day, a lot of times, even at our own church, right, maybe we're trying to get to the same goal because of our upbringing, our personalities, our, our knowledge about things that we might try to get at to that goal differently and the most prime example is when ever I go and eat dim sum with my family and, and this is, this happens all the time, so a dim sum dish, or like okay, we're Chinese, so there's not one, there's like 50 dim sum dishes on the table so. They try to feed us. And, and so, you know how there's this tradition in Chinese dining culture that you're not supposed to put your chopsticks over a bunch of dish to get to the other side to take something out right? And And so, and so, it, it's not polite. But it's a practical thing and, and I'm just trying to be practical. Like, I, there's a dish over there and, and, and it doesn't have a turntable and, and so, the most intuitive way is just leap over and take that thing right? and, and then, I'm sure some of, some of you guys can resonate with me. Like, that's what you do. But then my parents are like, that's not the way you do it. You're supposed to ask the person across kindly and say, can you pass that dish over? And then you go pick it up, right? But then you're like, that's so much work. Like, I'm not going to bother asking that person. But at the end of the day, all you're trying to do is get the, get the dim sum. So, so, so things like that do happen. And this, like, more of a remote experience. But there are things that you know in your church, I'm sure you can reflect and know, there are instances where you try to do something and you get into these conflicts because people just don't agree with the way, the methodology as to why things are done the way they operate. Right? And so as a result, we sometimes say we are family here. And so I just want to resolve our differences But the church would be like, but we don't do confrontations here. And so you just do a Pikachu face and you're like, what? And so, so it makes no sense when, when we said the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so, does that mean if we pray, if we do things, then we'll have peace? I'm sure that's not what Paul's trying to say here. It's about the idea that if you ever get into relational conflicts, not anything, just relational conflict, that if you pray before God to seek His guidance, to seek humility, to seek empathy, then that peace of God would come, would transcend your understanding of the situation, of your own methodologies, the understanding of your pride over other things, that you will be able to live out like the mind of Christ Jesus. That's why harmony does not always mean no disagreement. That in order to live out harmony sometimes, there will be disagreements. And it is rather how we resolve these disagreements, that we live out the heart of being a Christian. And so as we go into this passage, we, talk, we looked at the encouragement that Paul is trying to tell us. It's also trying to remind us this idea that the church is our home, is our spiritual home. And so if we see this church as our home, then there's something that we need to give relationally, that there is a need for investment to put our heart out there. But I'm sure most of you know that the moment you put your heart out there, you become vulnerable and you'll be disappointed. You'll be trampled over sometimes. You'll be uh, rejected sometimes. And these are things that as normal human beings, you would not want to experience. But this is where some people misquote the Bible yet again. And this is such a prominent passage. So so the key thing was like in all situations, whether it be fed or hungry, living in plenty or in wants, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. And so, we hear all these Christians start trying to comfort people or trying to encourage people by saying that they can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Like, literally all things according to them, like, not just according to the Philippians, but like. Yeah, or, or, or whatever, destroying the universe, or like. Like this guy, like backflipping, right? Like, I'm not going to say I can do all things through Christ and then I can start backflipping, right? No, I'm not going to do it. Like, if you want to see backflips, ask Matt, I can't do it. So, instead, like, I'm not a robot. Like, only robots can backflip, but I can't backflip. Like, what do you expect out of me? I'm just a pastor to get injured all the time. So, so the point is, No one would ever run away from a home. I'm going to repeat that one more time, just so you understand. No one ever runs away from home. And the moment they do run away from home, it's because it's not their home anymore. They don't see it as home anymore. And so, a lot of times when we see people leaving the church, not just this church, but church in general, is because they don't see church as their spiritual home anymore there is something that is missing that no longer do they see they can be the way they're created to be and not feel pressured or judged or, or, or even ridiculed and so when Paul is trying to encourage the church of Philippi, he's trying to say the same thing that if the church is meant to be a spiritual home, then it should be like a like any other home, that it will get messy, that things do get out of hand sometimes, and conflicts do happen. That if it is really your home, you'll never run away from it. Rather you'll do your utmost effort to make love work in a pile of mess and the church that I've ever been to the best church that I've been, ever been to is a church that is so chaotic like worship was all over the place like pots and pans and then people were like running around like children going all over the place and then like distractions all over the time but at the end of the day you can see love happening, that like people do love one another, like no one ever judged another person. And they see, you can see that love living out. You can see the care living out in the midst of all that. It's not about how beautiful the sanctuary is. It's not about how amazing the program is. It's not about how efficient the structure is, but whether people were able to live out love in the midst of the structure, in the midst of the limitations that they have. And so, church is not intended to be a perfect place. And if you ever find that perfect church, please don't go there. Because the moment you show up there, it won't be perfect anymore. It's not just to you, but if things are perfectly balanced just as all things should be, then if you add one more thing, it won't be perfect. It won't be balanced anymore. And so, let's stop dreaming, like, There is no perfect church on earth, and we will never be a perfect church. But that's not what God is calling us to be, not to be a perfect church, but a church because of its imperfection that we can live out that love. And so if the church is then meant to be our home, and there's no perfect church, then naturally it should be messy. There would be a lot of mess here and there. But it's because we have Christ Jesus that we can live out love in the midst of this messiness. That even though we might see all these problems in our church, that we have complaints about our church. We have disappointments in our church. We have arguments with people in our church. But yet we can see through that and see Christ and lean on Christ, not on our understanding then we can let love seep through and be shown to the world. And that's something that's really attractive to the world outside, that it's not because we're a perfect place. Because if we try to be perfect, they would just try to pull holes and, and, and figure out which part of it is imperfect. But if we be authentic and show the world that we are not a perfect place, that it's because we're not perfect that we can still live out love, that the world would be attracted to this church and to the Christ that sustained this church. And which is why if you look in the whole book of Philippians, if you look at all these misquoted Bible verses, everything in the whole book of Philippians is rooted in the central idea in Philippians 2, on the idea about being humble to one another, just as Christ has shown his own humility that his identity with God allows him to not be the perfect God but take on the human form so that he can take on suffering and even death on the cross for the sake of the sins of this world. And likewise, our identity is not built because of things we're prideful about. It's not about the 50 years that we have lived out in this church. It's not because we are of amazing programs and activities but it's because we have this identity in Christ that even in times of crises crises and crises we can lift up our identity in Christ and so the cross can be a very messy thing living out the cross is like living out in this mess but There's something beautiful about an organized messiness and that's what I always tell my mom when ever she comes to my room. It's like a dump in there. Well now that I moved out nothing has changed. It's just my wife is complaining that my the room is a dump. But the point is I always I always argue with her. It's like it's okay, I know where everything is. There's an organized messiness in there that that is functional and it works. And I think that's what church is kind of like. That it's supposed to be a messy place, but if we work together and have that connection and relationship and love, that even in the midst of messiness, there's that beauty inside. And so as the worship team come up and lead us in a few songs of response, I guess you can tell there's something up here. And if you have been to my messages, you know I like making people come up and stuff so that's what we're trying to do uh, we're trying to draw our own messy cross there is a canvas up here and there's some paint down here and some paint brushes if you feel ever led by the spirit or if you're interested I would like to invite you to come and add your own stroke to this cross here and that's kind of like our community right we're all unique individuals coming with our own beauty and also our imperfection. But in the same time, when all these imperfections come together, if we can only see the imperfection, then we can only see the mess. But if we see the beauty coming together under the filter of a cross, then it's something that we can praise and we can reflect God's glory to the world around us. And so maybe you might feel as uncomfortable to pick up a brush and, 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 I, and I know some artists, if you don't have water for them to clean the brush, they get very uncomfortable. But it's okay. Just lift in a mess and try it out. And the only thing I would like to ask is please don't mess up the sanctuary. You can make a mess on there. Like, I don't mind getting fired in the church, but I don't want it to be because I leave a mess on the sanctuary. I want it to be something more... More, a greater thing I can brag about I, 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 I got by because of something theological not because I leave a man so, so yeah, so we'll have a time of reflection and response and feel free to come up if you feel that that is fair.